Good morning, it's Ayawimala. It's Friday, the 19th of February. So today it's about 18 degrees where I am, but bright and sunny, and maybe the snow is shrinking down a little bit, hard to tell. I guess it's just getting packed down. So today I wanted to talk a little bit more about defilements. Uh, and that word can seem uh, like such a kind of a dirty word. And I think we sometimes aren't even aware of how subtle that those impurities in our mind that affect our thinking and our attitudes and our perceptions. I don't think we realize how subtle it is. And it takes a long time to begin to catch a lot of things. It certainly has for me. Some things seem to be taken care of pretty quickly uh, when you begin to meditate, when you begin to really practice. And other things, I think we're peeling an onion. So uh, some other things take time to even be aware of or to understand. So Again, I realize one of the little books that was is by Ashin Tejania is "Don't look down on the defilements; they'll laugh at you." It's a little little mouse. So this I may have read. I've got parts marked. I may have read this before, but I think it's a very good simple. It's a very simple explanation and gives some beautiful example, beautiful examples. So I'll read it again if I have read it before. Maybe it still has meaning for you. It's at the beginning of the book and it's called, What are Defilements? Defilements are not only the gross manifestations of greed, hatred, and delusion those three poisons that are at the center of everything. They're at the center of all of the, the rounds of uh, emotional life. And for many of us in our belief system, it can also be rounds of physical lives. But greed, hatred, and delusion uh, are at the center of everything that keeps pulling us back to this world, doesn't let us get off the wheel. Defilements are not only the gross manifestations of greed, hatred, and delusion, but also their friends and relatives, even the very distant ones. See if you have ever had one of the following or similar thoughts cross your mind. These, these will surprise you, surprise you. So have you ever thought any of these things? Those lights should not be on at this time of the day. His behavior is so irritating. He should not have done that. I could do it a lot faster. I am a hopeless meditator. My mind cannot even stay on the rising falling for one minute. Yesterday my meditation was so good, but today I'm all over the place. Wow, this was a wonderful sit. Now I need to be really mindful so I don't lose this good feeling. I must stay in the Dhamma Hall. Others will think I'm lazy if I don't. 
I need an extra portion of potatoes today because it's good for my health. And this is when I always remind everybody, these are comments from long retreats where people are being fed. Yuck, this salad has onions in it. No, bananas again? I've heard these, those are all, <laughs> these are all like things that you do here on a retreat. He is so selfish, so inconsiderate. Why is this happening to me? Who is responsible for cleaning the toilets? Why is this yogi walking here? They shouldn't be making so much noise. There are too many people here. I can't meditate. This is my favorite one. Someone is sitting in my seat. <laughs> she is so pretty. He walks so elegantly. All such thoughts are motivated by defilements. Don't underestimate them. And you can see what a range of statements there were. Everything from praising people to being uh, happy about our own practice, you know, kind of bragging things, bragging about ourselves. Or then the other extreme of all of these is the criticism. There's the um, really ad the admiration on one hand and the criticism on the other and the uh, elation f towards ourselves and then feeling terrible because we don't, we can't seem to relive that experience again exactly the way we want. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I have seen too many times at a retreat or even at uh, Blue Lotus at the temple, uh, someone saying, well, there's someone in my seat. <laughs> there aren't any. Nobody has a seat <laughs> in the temple. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, okay. So don't underestimate all the subtle, these are all the subtleties. These are just normal human reactions to things. <laughs> Marianne's saying the potato, the potato thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need an extra portion of potatoes today because it's good for my health. So we have, and I'm sure, I'm sure anyone who's been on a long, long retreat or maybe even a weekend retreat, uh, you've seen, you've, you've heard and seen all of these things. And then if you've ever been a human being, we've all done all of these things, right? Have you ever told someone you were not angry, even though you clearly did not like what he had done? Do you sometimes talk negatively about your boss, a member of your family, or even a good friend? <laughs> Do you occasionally tell a dirty joke? Do you habitually sweet-talk people into doing things for you? Do you automatically raise your voice when someone does not agree with your point of view? All such, such talk is motivated by defilements. Watch out for it. Have you ever knocked really hard on someone's door or refused to enter a room simply because someone you dislike was in there or jumped a line or used the shampoo someone left in the bathroom 
or made a private call using your employer's phone line or done any, any similar actions, all sort of unthinkingly. All such actions are motivated by defilements. Become aware of them. And then there's a disclaimer about this little book, which I think is just wonderful. Dear reader, this is not a complete or systematic practical aspects of this approach to meditation. The advice given is based on Ashin Tejaniya's meditation and teaching experience. So uh, it's, it's wonderful. There's even a disclaimer. When you read this book, please do not cling to dictionary definitions. It's a beautiful point. For example, for our purposes, the words watching, observing, being mindful, paying attention, and being aware are used interchangeably. Awareness and mindfulness also mean the same. Understanding, realization, insight, and wisdom are used to express something similar. And the word object is often used to mean experience. So even so we talk about a meditation object. It can be our breath. It can be an experience. It can be a light, a color. Sensations refer to bodily sensations and feelings to mental feelings. We also describe several key points of this approach from various angles and in different contexts. Sorry. Our experience has shown that such repetition is very helpful, particularly for those new to mindfulness meditation. And they, then they add, they uh, finish, we have tried to translate and express Ashin Tejaniya's teachings and ideas as accurately as possible. However, we may have made mistakes, and it is likely that some details got lost in translation. That's a, that's just a, uh, I like that disclaimer. And you'll usually find that when you read a book, book by a Buddhist teacher, they will always say there may have been, be mistakes in the book, but they take full responsibility, even if they've had editors and teams of people working with their material. They always take final responsibility for, for what they've said and if they've, uh, you know, made any alterations that were, that were not consistent with the Dhamma. They always take responsibility for that. So I think I, I like that. But I think that is giving us an idea when it is defining defilements, how subtle they can be. It's a lot of our human behavior that is uh, locked into uh you know, wanting things to be good and right and uh, the best. And when, we, when we're working really hard to make things be so perfect or we admire someone if they have an elegant walk, but we look down on someone if they, if they sit in the place that we prefer to sit in. And uh, if, we, if we give 
you know, of when you think of the eight worldly winds, praise is one and blame is on the other, other side. So when we praise someone or when someone praises us, you know, we're guaranteed we'll get the other end too. So it's better, it's better to be at that place of equanimity where we don't need praise and we don't need to be disturbed by uh, blame. We can look and see if the content of either, uh, well, we, we need to be careful not to look too much at the context, a context and the content of being praised or being blamed for things. Because we have to know for ourselves. Did we do something with the right intention and do it as well as we, we could have at the time? Um, so we, we don't want to take blame and let it uh, destroy us. And we also have to be very careful and mindful about any kind of praise because it's almost that praise is setting us up here and then it makes it further to fall, right, down into blame. And that praise might be just, the praise that we get may just be coming from someone who uh, could be because right at that moment they heard something that they really needed to hear. And uh, it's just a matter of timing. It's just a matter of maybe being at the right place at the right time. Or it might be coming because uh, there's praise because we've we've said something or done something that just it pleases the other person because it fits in with their belief system. And if if there comes a time when it doesn't or when it uh, hits a nerve, that that praise can easily be easily be shifted to blame. So when we're living our lives. We, we always have to watch that. We have to be careful with that as the giver or the receiver. So, um, like my kids and I always say, we, you don't want to get the big head. I think there's some cartoon character where the big, the big head was, <laughs> we decided that was a perfect word for being full of, uh, ego or conceit when you, ha- when you get the big head. <laughs> Because that swings both ways. And all of those qualities that we think of, the eight worldly winds, there's, there's fame and, and then there's falling into disgrace and ignominy, and there is a fortune and then there's loss, uh, gain and loss, and praise and blame, and, uh, pain, pleasure and pain. I think I got all eight of them then. So those are all those pendulum swinging all the time. And uh, that's what we call the, that's what the world is. That's what this world is made up of. So the defilements are when we get caught up in any of these very subtle things. So be very careful. And, and it's also that duality that we're, we get caught up in. So if we can praise someone, then we can criticize someone at the same time. And so we want to be watching uh, watching, and keeping that balance. And that's what equanimity is. We don't have to be dependent on those, those uh, eight winds, those four pairs of the, the swinging from one end to the, to the next. 
We, we don't depend on those because we're, we're looking at different things. We're trying to get outside of those worldly things and look within our own minds, work on our, work on our, on our own mind. So that's from this beautiful book. Uh, here's some more comments about defilements. I don't think I've read all of these, so I'll just start. I think I've read the first 50. So maybe I can read a few more of these because I really... So don't confine your practice to the to the retreat center, to the Dhamma Hall, to the... Uh, to your sitting practice, apply it in daily life. When you leave the Dhamma Hall or the retreat center or your cushion, take the practice with you. When the mind is strong and comes into contact with an object, it does not judge. It understands the object just as it is. So if we come into contact with an object, that's pretty much anything that we typically could say, um, you know, there's a, there's a squirrel, uh, there's a tree, there's a chair, all these things that we have labeled, we've solidified, we've labeled them. Those are our objects. So it's, we're not judging. So this is very, this is a very important part of our practice because it's that judging that creates the defilements. When the mind is strong, so that's when we've worked with our mind for quite a while, and develop that mindfulness. When the mind is strong and comes into contact with an object, it does not judge. It understands the object just as it is. Well, that one can take a lifetime, right? So... Uh, Try to observe how the mind deals with a difficult situation as often as you can from as many different angles as possible. Once you have developed an understanding of how the mind works in this difficult situation, wisdom will naturally begin to do its work. Next time you are faced with a similar difficult situation, wisdom will prevent you from reacting in an unskillful way. Wisdom knows what to do. So that's investigating. Try to observe how the mind deals with a difficult situation as often as you can, from as many different angles as possible. Once you have developed an understanding of how the mind works in this situation, wisdom will naturally begin to do the work. When you start to watch thinking, you cannot recognize it as the mind. That's a good one. You are only aware of thinking and the contents of thinking. Through practice, through repeated looking at thinking, you will get to understand that it is the mind that is thinking. This is not easy to describe in words. But once you are able to do this, you can observe the mind objectively. You just recognize it as thoughts that appear in the mind. Learn to acknowledge thoughts whenever they arise. Don't try to avoid doing this by keeping your awareness on the body only. 
You may miss the nature of how the mind works. So we want to be mindful of the body, but we have to remember that that mindfulness has to include our thinking mind, our heart mind. Uh, that is a, that's a sensory organ, just like our ears and our, our eyes and our speech and the body, the contact with the body and our nose. So, when your mindfulness is strong and continuous, you will naturally start watching subtle objects. Being able to stay with subtle objects causes the strength of mindfulness to increase further, thus enabling you to watch even more subtle objects. The ability to watch subtle objects develops gradually. You will not achieve it by forcing yourself to be mindful or by trying hard to watch them. And then there's a note. Strong mindfulness is used to describe a state of mind in which the five spiritual faculties of faith, effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom are in balance. And we haven't talked about the five spiritual faculties and uh, that's a, that's a worthy. Those are those are natural faculties that we have that we can develop more if we choose to. So those five spiritual faculties: faith, effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. Have the, they need to be in balance to have strong mindfulness a state of mind that has been developed through the momentum of persistent practice. So mindfulness is not just about um, the body, and it's not just about uh, having uh, the, in, well, it's, it's all of these things combined. In the Buddha's teachings, the Buddha combines all of these five faculties to be in balance, not only developed and cultivated, but to have them in balance. That's the middle way, the balance between them all. It is not difficult to be aware or mindful. It is difficult to maintain it continuously. For this, you need right effort, which is simply perseverance. And that's what I was talking about yesterday. And, uh, you know, I was excited about Bhante Saranapala's uh, talk. And it was using that little container, that heart-mind container. So effort, we're working with effort all the time. That's building up what's good and wholesome and skillful and maintaining that and then letting go of the things that aren't skillful, that aren't wholesome for our lives, that aren't helping us become happy and free and liberated. And then maintaining, you know, let go of the unwholesome, the unskillful, and maintain by guarding our sense doors from letting it in again. There's several ways that we do that. So that's a topic we'll have to pick up uh, soon, the five, five faculties. To be relaxed and in the right frame of mind is of prime importance. Write this down somewhere. To be relaxed and in the right frame of mind. I know 
there are a lot of us who have had lots of bouts of anxiety and still are having those um, just because of the pandemic. And we may have had several people that we love become sick and ill and perhaps die. Um, so this this statement is really important to remember, even if we're not in a, even if we laugh at it and think, how can I be relaxed right now? I'm sitting, I'm sitting with a dying one, or I have a dying loved one and I can't be with them and sit with them. To be relaxed and in the right frame of mind is of prime importance. Everything else comes later. To recognize whether or not you are in the right frame of mind is more important than experiencing peaceful states or having a good sit. And if we're not in the right frame of mind, that's when we know, okay, this may not be a good time to make some big decision. This may not be a good time to have an argument with someone or to sit down and have the, a, the, a talk. If we recognize that we're not in the right frame of mind because we're anxious or we can't relax, we can't, we can't be present, um, we have to make choices like don't, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just uh, practical. Like don't make big decisions when you're uh, tied up inside and uh, be, be aware of your mental condition before you, you uh, say something that you may regret or the, or don't make a job change when you're at the most uh, emotional about something that's going on in your life. If you are sleepy, every time you sit, you have developed a bad habit. So when sleepiness begins, open your eyes. If it's persistent, if it persists, get up and walk. It does not matter whether you sit or walk. It is important that the mind is awake. When I first learned meditation, that was a bad habit. My body, oh, for years I was struggling the, for the first maybe well, several years <laughs> I was struggling with uh, sleepiness. Right effort is reminding yourself to be aware. Right effort is not about using energy to focus on an object. So it's not right effort to say, well, I have to just, when I sit and meditate, I'm just focusing, focusing, focusing. Right, right effort might might be uh, to to encourage yourself more to sit every day, I think that because that's something skillful you want to be to develop. But it's not; it doesn't mean more focus, more focus, like that kind of straining concentration type of focus. If tiredness sets in towards the evening, you possibly used excessive energy during the day. Your practice should gain momentum. You should not suffer from exhaustion. So don't use excessive energy trying to be more mindful. Simply keep reminding yourself to be mindful. That's a really good one. If you've used excessive energy during the day, Don't use excessive energy trying to be more mindful. Keep Simply keep reminding yourself to be mindful. It's a good one to remember. 
When you close your eyes to meditate, you may get the impression that there is suddenly a lot of thinking. But the mind is actually thinking all the time. You just don't notice it because when your eyes are open, you are paying more attention to external objects than to thoughts. To be able to maintain any, any skills you have acquired, you need to continue practicing them. Oh, and here's, here's this one would be the last, oh, I'm going to read two more because I'm running over my time. If you are aware, just be glad you are aware. That is the right attitude. That is right attitude. So when you are confronted by a defilement and you're aware of it, be glad that you are aware of this defilement. Even if, it's, even if it does not seem to dissolve, as long as you are aware of the defilement, you are doing well. That's such an important point. Just be aware of it. You know, most of the time we spend all our life, a life, lifetimes not being aware of a defilement. We don't even see it as a defilement, or it's, a, it's something we don't even see about ourselves or about our minds. Um, yeah, I, at my time with myself over the last year has helped me just be aware of uh, Defilements are part of the Dhamma. Do not reject them. One meditator got disappointed when the defilements quickly disappeared. Not that she wanted the defilements, but that she was very keen to learn from them, to understand them. This should be your attitude when you are faced with defilements. You know, that's true. We want to understand them. We always want to understand where did it come from? Let me, you know, you, we want to know all about them. and But... They may, just by us being able to cast a light on them, they may begin to disappear if we continue to do that. They may begin to disappear before we've analyzed them, you know, before we've uh, worked with them a lot. They, they will go away when the light shines on them. So don't, don't feel bad if they go away too fast. That's a good thing. Just be sure they've really gone away. So keep... Okay. Try to recognize that defilements are simply defilements. They are not your defilements. Every time you identify yourself with them or reject them, you are only increasing the strength of the defilement. Okay, these are just defilements. We don't have to own them. So Eva's asking, this is... Ashin, it's and the monk's uh, monk name is Tejaniya, T E J A N I Y A, and Ashin is uh, a title. He's a he's a Burmese monk. So if you just look up Tejaniya, you'll find it. He might have a different title like Usawadao, um, but but typically Ashin. And these books are available through um, 
you can go to his foundation and that will come up as well and you can get the get his books for free he's a wonderful teacher he's still living so he's i don't know he might be i don't know in his early 70s probably my age okay that's our time for today so practice uh, tomorrow, Bhante Sujata is doing the talk at Blue Lotus in Woodstock. So you can get an Eventbrite ticket. There's no charge. Only if you would like to donate that way, you can do it through Eventbrite. <clears throat> but there's no charge for that talk, and uh, that's at 10 o'clock Central Time. So if you're interested in a ticket, you can go on... Uh, directly onto Eventbrite and look for for Blue Lotus Buddhist Temple, or you can go on the Blue Lotus Buddhist Temple Facebook page. There are other Blue Lotuses. There were connected, but there are others. And uh, if we have so many people from different places, we have to know it's in its central time zone and it's in Woodstock in Illinois. So, Take good care. Be mindful. Just keep remembering to be mindful. And uh, don't become attached to, your def to the defilements. Don't even call them your defilements. That's a good thing to think about today. They're just little glitches, and we, but it's what we have to work on. So take care.